0: Hi, I'm Len Epp from Lean Pub, and in this episode of the Front Matter Podcast, I'll be interviewing Barrett Nobel and Jake Montalbano. Barrett provides elite fitness and life coaching for dads and is the host of the Dad Fit Podcast, the go-to podcast for athlete dads or dads who aspire to be athletes. You can follow him on Twitter at Barrett Nobel Fit and check out his website at barrettnobel.com and subscribe to his YouTube channel at Barrett Nobel Fitness. Jake is a football coach or, and uh, English teacher, I believe, who's been married for 14 years and is a father of three. Barrett and Jake are the authors of the Lean Pub book, The Dad Fit Dynasty Manual, Daily Modern Strategies. In their book, Barrett and Jake write with a modern father in mind, offering practical actions you can take to make a tangible difference in your life and the lives of your loved ones. Whether it's about balancing work with family, maintaining a thriving marriage, staying fit, or guiding your children with wisdom and love, this book addresses it all. In this interview, we're going to talk about their backgrounds and approaches to fitness, the book. And at the end, we'll talk a little bit about their work as content creators. So thank you very much, Barrett and Jake, for being on the Lean Pub Front Matter podcast.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. thanks for having us on. Thanks. Yeah, really looking yeah. forward to it. Yeah, me too. Um,
0: I, I always like to start this uh, podcast by asking people for their origin stories. Um, so <laughs> why, don't, why don't we start with you, uh, Barrett, if you could take a few minutes and just talk a little bit about uh, how you made your way into the this sort of career you're in now.
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I mean, I started as a personal trainer when I was in my early twenties, um, but I was I was an alcoholic, and so I was kind of an asshole. Oh, sorry. Am I allowed to swear? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I started as a personal trainer in my early twenties. I was I was like an alcoholic, so I was kind of an asshole to all my clients, and uh, I realized customer service wasn't really for me at that point. Um, So I got more into the engineering side, became a software engineer, uh, went up the ranks of enterprise engineer, cloud engineer, just all sorts of desk jockeying. Um, Got super jaded with the industry and burnt out throughout that whole time. um, I've always been into fitness and nutrition. It's always been like a real common theme for anything that I do. I'm always the strongest engineer in any of the groups I'm in, which uh, is like a... A very prideful thing for me. <laughs> but, um, yeah, then I started uh, I started transitioning away from the engineering world, less desk jockeying. I really became super interested in just trying to improve men's lives in general. I see a severe lacking of that in the current world that we're in. Um, I became a father a couple of years ago. And like if I talk about it a lot on my podcast, but I'll be, I'll be at the park and I'll see all these dads and moms just phones in their faces, not playing with their kids. They're, they're not in great shape. They won't even run around with their kids and there just needs to be more strong men. And there's lack of strong men as role models for the current world. So that's where, uh, that's kind of where I'm at as far as transitioning into all this fatherhood fitness and it's all like a really great encompassing way that i'm working in and jake what about you what's your background
1: so um for me you know i actually started out you know doing um you know as a coach and coaching and and helping um young men and and um kind of seeing uh, what happens when there's fatherless homes and um you know kids that maybe they're only positive male role model is a coach of some sort and so that was the first thing that really opened my eyes to just the the negative effects of what happens with without strong present fathers um and then as i kind of got going in my in my marriage and having kids uh, of my own i actually you know it became the exact dad that we're trying to help right now and to say that i became i allowed myself to become that unhealthy dad who was there physically but not really emotionally there and you know not really playing and being active with my kids um kind of let my I let myself get like I said very unhealthy at one point I I've written about this I was actually almost 500 pounds at one point um and for me one of the negative things but also one of the best things that could have happened was uh, a hospital stay I actually almost didn't make it I spent six weeks in the hospital and and that gave me all the time in the world to reflect on the bad things that I was doing and, and more importantly, what I was going to do to fix it. And and so when, uh, when, as I started to get out and I started to rebuild myself physically and really working on uh, the relationships that I had damaged, it was pretty clear, pretty quickly that I, I had a lot of things that I wanted to be able to say with other people and, and to try to help them learn from some of the things that, that I've done both good and bad right and wrong. And so I started writing online and, and, um, with the idea of being able to help other men sort of either, either avoid things or if they're already in a bad place, help them get out of
0: it. Yeah. And Jake, so, um, what, what can you, maybe for anyone out there listening who might be struggling with their weight and, and things like that? Uh, what was like this, can you remember like, what was the, when, when you decided like, okay, like, you know, you got out of the hospital and you're like, I'm going to turn this around can you, what was the first thing you did? Did you go buy a book? Did you go watch videos on YouTube? Did you talk to friends?
1: Well, it's interesting because in my background, I actually have a strength and conditioning background. And so, um, as far as knowing what to do from a training standpoint and that I knew what I should have done for me, it was more on the, the, the mental side, as far as the willingness to do it. And I think kind of for me, uh, there was a bit of a rock bottom moment where I kind of came to the realization that I am so unhealthy that I cannot play with my kids like I want to. And so for me, it was just really a matter of creating daily habits. You know, that was the big thing for me. Um, nice. You know, both in terms of like eating better, eating healthier, but also just being more active. Um, one of the doctors that I had during my my time in the hospital it told me basically almost as like an ultimatum, like, you know, you're most, if you could ever walk two miles without stopping, like that would be like an Olympic level athlete because based on where you're at right now, almost kind of saying that like, you probably won't do that. And so from that point forward, that was like one of the first things that my wife and I started doing is going for walks in our neighborhood. And I made it a point that we would not walk any less than two miles because I was going <laughs> to prove that that is exactly what I would do. And so it kind of started there. Um, you know, I, w- I was actually in a coma for three weeks. So I actually had to to relearn how to walk and things like that. And so then once I got my feet under me, I, I like I said, I started with walking like, okay, I'm going to walk a minimum of two miles every time I do this. And um, it kind of went from there, you know, as far as just being very mindful and cautious of what I was eating and drinking and those types of things. Um, for me, though, it was really it was a matter of the habits. You know, I knew what I should be doing it was just a matter of actually doing it
0: yeah that's a, thank you very much for the really good answer I really like the idea of um the sort of setting the the daily minimum or the the, the activity minimum um yeah. uh, I was I don't have you guys heard of Alex Hormozy? oh yeah 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 yeah, big fan. Of, yeah yeah and he he talks about this like 100 a day thing and um back back years ago when I was doing a doctorate in English literature I, I sort of did the same thing It's like I'd have to read a 100 pages a day um, uh, and it was like, it was, it was partly to sort of get, you know, accumulate over time and stuff like that. Right. And like some days it would be 300, sometimes it would be a hundred, but big type and big margins, if you know what I mean, but like <laughs> setting, setting that minimum for yourself, you feel good. Like you, you've, you've accomplished it, but also like over time, you know, eventually, you know, that minimum can go up and things like that. And it gives you, it gives you a daily habit. So, and like it, it, that sounds like a really good answer. Um, and, uh. So writing about about so, Baird, you've been you know sort of doing doing fitness your your whole life. It sounds like, um, but Pretty when you became to be. a dad, that changed. Um, and I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how it changed for you, even though you were you know you knew exactly what you were doing.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's that's the biggest key right there. Is once I became a father, it all changed because I used to be incredibly selfish, so I could spend hours and hours throughout the week at the gym or running or any sort of physical activity. But then once the baby came here, if you're a father, you're very well versed with how much time that they suck away from you because they'll die if you don't pay attention to them or take care of them. So it, it was the, the a big turning point for me of, okay, I still prioritize physical fitness, um, not only for the actual physical element, but the mental side mainly. Um, how can I do that? And I kind of I struggled, I mean, for the first year so, I mean, I've only slept for four hours, like at a maximum for like the first year. And you could, I could tell my fitness was declining pretty rapidly um, compared to how I've always been my, basically my whole life. And so I had to figure out ways to prioritize that or work around it. And that, that led me to uh, kind of understand the struggles of my clients from when i was a 20 year old alcoholic asshole because they were they were all parents probably i mean they were they were older so i just assumed they were parents but i i just remember at one point i said to a client and this was when <laughs> it was like the turning point when i realized i shouldn't be a trainer at this point i was like i'm gonna go home uh i'm gonna like drink a, a handle of liquor and i'm still gonna be in better shape than you It's like it, it was just such a bad place for me mentally to be training people at that point. And now that I've been a parent and I understand the struggles of you work nine to five and then you got to come home and then all the regular household stuff, plus on top of the child who, like I said, they they require a lot of time so that they don't die. And I kind of wish I had still had the contact information for some of those people so I could reach out and be like, oh, I totally get it now. I'm I'm really sorry for being that person, but yeah, that was that was the biggest thing for me is how, how can I still maintain a decent level of fitness? Because I'm, n- I'm never going to be as fit as I used to be, um, not anytime soon anyways, but how can I still maintain a level that's okay in my mind while balancing the full-time career and the family and the wife and all of that stuff? That's uh, funny, it reminded
0: me of something that uh, uh, a friend of mine sort of chided me with a while ago where I was sort of probably <laughs> complaining about something and he goes, like, I don't have kids. And he goes, Len, if you had kids, half of the world would make way more sense to you than it does. <laughs> um, and, uh, there's, there's a great, there's a great actually uh, episode of your podcast that you guys did together that I'll try and put a link to somewhere um, uh, where you talk about that being being a sort of young, cocky trainer. And in particular, you would, you would even, I think, not just think, but tell your clients that they were lazy. Um, yeah. Meanwhile, they're sort of keeping more balls in the air than, than any normal person can juggle um yeah and i know jake you you talk about in in that episode about how you know you often you commute to school like 40 minutes or something like that and you have to be there all day and then when you've got like football games on friday nights like you're probably there till midnight with your family and you come back and so you're well, definitely on that on that end of the like kind of like you know just so many commitments finding time to work out is really hard how do you how do you find the time
1: so I think the biggest thing for, for me is, is multitasking, um, different tasks throughout the day. Um, you know, I'm lucky now because my, we have a, our daughter is, is older. She, she's moved out and then our boys are getting into middle school. We have twin boys that are 12. And so it's a little easier as they get older because they can be included in a lot of things. Uh, one of the big things that our family is, um, family walks that that's one easy way that we, one can spend time together and then also get some some steps in and and get some movement in and so that's a big thing for us sometimes we'll walk at school before everyone leave to go home um now that football season is over for us it's almost like wow we have all this extra time on our hands what do we do you know because we you know we're only gone for 10 hours a day instead of 15 hours a day or something like that you know but um doing things together is a big one um and, and even You know, I'm a big proponent of um, like doing things at home, like working out at home, um, like dumbbell workouts and stuff like that. Things that you can do on the go or or while you're doing stuff. You know, one of the things that, you know, Bear and I always talk about is we don't really say no to our kids if they want to do stuff with us. But yet you have to take care of yourself as well. So how do you do both of those? And, And so things like, you know, I've got 12 year old son. We wrestle a lot in our house, you know, (laughs) um, you know, which is a great, you know, full body exercise in and of itself when you're wrestling, you know, two 12 year olds who are going to be as big as you are before long, you know? Um, so that's a big one too, but just being able to combine activities, you know, how can I make the most use of my time doing things for myself to keep myself healthy while also doing stuff with my family, you know? And that's a big one. Um, I think another thing that helps is, When you incorporate um, spending time while also doing certain things around the house, like everybody, every family, you know, you got to clean your house. You got to you got to make dinner every night. One of the ways that my wife and I spend a lot of of quality time together is making dinner. So that way, you know, while we're making dinner, which is something we have to do anyway, that's a time Mm -hmm. for us to spend time together. Mm -hmm. And then whenever we're done, then I can go get a workout in or something like that. Because I can check off all my boxes throughout the day, I can spend time with my kids, spend time with my wife, take care of work projects, and then find the time to still get a, a workout in. And so, really, the big thing is just how can I combine things throughout the day to to make them the most efficient that they can be. Efficiency is is, is a big word in our house.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. really that's really great. Um, uh, For some reason that reminded me, I I forgot this old joke about like one of the reasons the gym exists is because if you did it at home, nobody would let you, um, (laughs) you know, they, they, they'd be like, oh, he's just, that doesn't really matter. You know, like you can stop, stop. You don't need to do your workout today. I need you to help me do this or I need to help you do that. And so going to the gym means like, they're not, you're out of sight, you're out of mind. Maybe you're paying money and they're like, you better, you better get some value (laughs) out of that membership that you paid for or something like that. And it can play that role. But, But I was thinking, um. So one thing that I was sort of like not expecting when I was doing research for this uh, interview was that, particularly on, on on the on the podcast and but with both, with both of your stories as well, it's a lot of people who've like overcome something themselves. Yeah, I think the first the first right. one I listened to that you that you that you were interviewing Baird, well you know it was an alcoholic at one point. Um, there was another guy who was like you know like you know very very overweight and you know had to overcome that. And there's one very particular problem with changing yourself, that's always preoccupied me, which is, it's not just people who aren't supportive, you know what I mean? Who might like not, not really take it seriously, but antagonistic to the change that you're making. So yeah. for, for example, like I did something years ago, like basically for health, which was like, look, I'm not going to eat sugar anymore. I'm just not going to eat sugar. And that meant no dessert. And, um, people get very, like even that simple thing, <laughs> like saying no to dessert. People will get mad at you. They'll be offended. They'll take it personally. They'll, yeah. not, not, not just because the normal thing of like offering you something that you decline or reject, but also like what you think you're better than me, you know, kind of plays a yeah. big role. And that can, but that can play a role in like, if you've been an alcoholic, you've got probably lots of alcoholic, you've got some alcoholic friends that you hang out with. And when you change yeah. there, they might be like antagonistic towards that. Not necessarily like undermine you, but like, I don't know.
1: Yes. Well, actually undermine you. Yeah, it's the it's the yeah. crab in a bucket mentality. Like if you ever heard the stories of crabs in a bucket, like they could work together and most of them could climb over each other to where most of the crabs could actually get out and escape, but when you put them in that environment, they'll actually use their claws to pull each other back so that none of them can get out. Wow. And so that is the mentality where like misery loves company basically. You know, <laughs> when people are unhealthy or if they're unhappy They don't want to see you do well. They don't want to see you do things to help make yourself better, which is why, you know, you have guys like Barrett and I who are shouting from the mountaintops, you know, there are people who will support you. There are people who want the best for you. There are people out there who will, who have gone through, you know, a lot of really bad, negative things, but has still found a way to be better because of them. And so I think, you know, one of of the reasons why I think we get along so well is that is one area that we're very like-minded. You know, we don't just give you the parts that we want you to see. We 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 show everything, you know, because I don't personally think that you can truly appreciate someone's story unless you know every part of it as far as the highs and the lows and, and to know that there are people out there who will support you in your lows and help you get to your highs.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. really good. And just, uh, just to ask you this a similar sort of question, Barrett, but you know if someone's listening to this and they're like, okay, I tried it. I've tried it. I tried something like this. I, you know, I'm a dad, you know, I wanted to get in better shape and basically just, yeah, people kept, I mean, there's an old, there's an old joke about the Canadian lobster trap. Like if a Canadian tries to succeed, the rest of the Canadians will pull them back down. Um, (laughs) uh, but like, you know, if there's someone listening, who's like I tried it and my family, yeah, they, they, they sort of got, got basically got mad at me for trying to make my life better. What can, what would you recommend they do if they try again? You know, like Do it more subtly, maybe not boast about it so much. You know, I don't know, like yeah, hard because if it's your if if it's literally the people you're living with that are trying to stop you, maybe unconsciously even. You know what can what can you what would you recommend people think about trying?
2: First thing I'd recommend is checking out our book because there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of activities at the end of each page for dads specifically. But yeah, man, that one's tough because I. I don't really I'm I feel like I'm very different than most people so in those certain in those situations where I do decide to change some element or aspect of my life and there's someone family or not that doesn't agree or that I feel like will hold me back I I won't cut them out completely but I will severely diminish their relationship or opinions that they have and that, that's just how I deal with it personally. I'm not, like I said, I'm not going to cut you out completely. Um, I, I have before several times, um, if it does come to that point. Like if you just really can't accept the changes I'm making in my life that are improving my life and therefore improving my life and my family and everyone around me, then I honestly don't have a problem just eliminating that person from my life. I don't, I don't have time for toxicity. And that's the way that I deal with it. Um, just severely dampen it. If it still continues, then sorry. Like, I, I don't, like I said, I don't have time for that.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's a really great and very straightforward answer. And I think kind of a, like a, a bracing and, um, you know, a very good one, right? Like whether, whether you do do it or not, keeping in mind the, the fact that you actually can with most people diminish that relationship if you need to. You know, you're, yeah. not, you're you're not bound to people in the same way that we often we often think we think we must be which is not to say don't honor your relationships and don't take it seriously when you need to do something like this but you know not everybody is always
2: relating to you in in, in the best way um one thing yeah, I got one one comment on that I yeah. recently tweeted recently about about that exactly and I tried to distill it in like a, a tweet so it was fairly easily digestible but um, I said something along the lines of a superpower that I've come to realize for myself recently is saying the word no. And that's with obligations, with career, family, anything. If it doesn't align with my goals, I'm I'm going to say no. And there's, there's a lot of power in that. And a lot of people are afraid. There are a lot of people pleasers. And again, I'm I'm always going to help. I'm always going to be willing to be there for anyone, but I'm going to say no a lot. And it's a it's a take it or leave it at that point. I am going to be firm, but I'm not going to be an asshole. Yeah, that's that's very good. Very well said. Um uh one thing one thing that
0: I know you guys talked about, about about because you, it's not all fitness. It's about dads and being a dad and then relating to your to children and, and stuff like that. Um, and, uh, one thing that, that, again, not having kids myself, so with the qualifier, I'm going to say everything I say about kids, but I was talking to a <laughs> friend of mine who's a, who's a dad and he was, he was getting really worked up about how his five-year-old son, like no matter how many times he told him to like arrange the stuff he put in his backpack the right way. So everything would fit. he wouldn't do it. And, and he seriously like, was like very worked up about this. He's like, how is he ever going to make it through life if he can't <laughs> do that? And I said, well, you know, my, my childless philosophy, having been one myself, you know, I've always been of the view that, like, children are going to act like children when they're children, but they're going to act like the adults they saw when they were children when they become adults, right? So if you're, yeah. to finish the thought, like, you know, if you're, if you're packing your backpack properly, when he grows up, that's what he'll do. He's acting like a kid now because he's a kid. Um, yeah. And- I guess maybe, maybe to, to you, Jake. you know, what, what, uh, what advice would, would would you have to sort of fathers who are sort of getting worked up maybe about their kids, not like quite acting quite like they wish they would.
1: <laughs> yeah. So that it's funny. Um, that is a, 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 an ongoing topic at our house because, you know, during, during the day, I'm a high school football coach, you know, and I work with, you know, high school athletes and, and so efficiency And all of those things are are what we're striving for all day long. You know, we're on the practice field, the weight room or whatever it is. And so sometimes I'll have to or my wife will have to remind me like at home, you know, your kids are 12. They're not in high school. And, you know, even when they were like seven or eight, you know, hey, they're not high school kids. Like just tone it down a couple of notches, you know. (laughs) And I think the big thing for me is just um, just being reminded, reminding yourself a lot of the fact that, you know, The saying goes, Rome wasn't built in a day, you know, um, I, I have focused more on what are like the core values that I want my kids to know, no matter what, what are the big things, you know, decide what the big things are. And once you decide what the big things are, the other things will kind of work themselves out as they go. Um, you know, like for example, one of the things I've already kind of mentioned on this, you know, honesty. Your word is your bond is, is a saying in my house that I could I could literally bring my boys in from the other room right now on here. And all I would have to say is your word. And they would finish that sentence or that saying, you know, that they actually pulled it on me on our drive home tonight. And because I and I wasn't even being dishonest. I was just kind of joking around with them. And it was just about something silly. And my and my one son, who's the more out outspoken of the two of them, um, which he gets it from his father. But he um uh, he's like, dad. You always tell us your word is your bond. So come out with it. Just tell us the truth. What are we doing? You know, and so for me, that's a big thing. And so I think it's really important for each for each mom or dad, really, you know, what are your big things? Those are the things that are going to get the most attention. And then you, you'll you go from there. You know, um, is putting all of your papers in your in your backpack the exact right way a big thing? Well, I mean, organization is important, but. is that as important as being a a good person or being trustworthy you know or being a good friend you know those types of things and so i think really you know the more you throw at kids the more rules and regulations and and, um different things you try to do the more they're going to get lost in in the details whereas if you give them a few specific things and you kind of work from there and branch out i think it's a lot more successful yeah that that really resonates with me. I've always thought that,
0: you know, um teaching your kids principles, if you can, is more important than teaching them rules. Yeah. You know, so like yeah. I I always remember that like I mean I know you know you don't want to second guess people's intentions too much, but I always remember going to like there's this, there was always that kids house where there was like a list of chores and they'd get a little star for each chore on the fridge or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Which not to not to knock that as a practice or anything like that, but like I always thought like you know, once what what happens when they leave home and they don't have the stars anymore you know what i mean are they going to stop doing it because it or or if you have very punishment based kind of parenting right like once they're free of the punishment well why would they why would they do it because they're not going to get why wouldn't they do it or why would they do it because they're not going to get punished anymore and if it's a if it's a principle that they've internalized instead which is like with a reason like why why should
1: i be honest you know so i i have the perfect example of that you know our daughter i mentioned she's 22 now and so she doesn't live at home with us anymore. Um, you know, the typical kid growing up, you know, didn't keep her room clean, probably didn't keep her papers straight in her backpack by any means. We constantly had to tell her to pick her dirty clothes up off the floor and put them in in the dirty clothes basket that was two feet from her bed, you know, that type of stuff. <laughs> However, uh, it was, this was probably about six months ago, um, got, a, got a call from her because we, we talked several times throughout the week. And she had, a, you know, a boy that she was, whatever they call it, now dating, talking, or, you know, whatever it is that they say. And she's like, yeah, I, I had to let him go. And I was like, well, why? And she was like, well, every time he would Snapchat me or, or text me, he was always supposed to be at work, but he was never at work yet. And so I would ask him, like, well, where, where are you at right now? You're supposed to be at work. And he's like, oh, it doesn't matter if I show up late. You know, the, it'll be fine. They'll, it'll be fine when I get there. She's like, Dad, I had to. He doesn't have a very good work ethic. I can't be with him, and I was just like, Oh my gosh, I would hug you through the phone right now. You know, like (laughs) Mm -hmm. you talk about like what are the big deals? You know, work ethic and working hard is something that is a big deal to us and our family, and that's something where you know she may not have been always keeping her room the cleanest growing up, but you know what, she does understand how to expect a certain standard from people and have enough respect for herself to expect that even from a potential you know partner and so you know that's just that i kind of was reminded of that story as you were saying that like you want to see them carry those with them you know if you give them a thousand different rules they're never going to remember that but if you have five or six these are the key principles they can remember that for a lifetime speaking of, of
0: working hard uh, barrett i wanted to ask you a question so um you take on you take on a new client, say. They get through your. I know you've got a little bit of a filter that people get through, and that's typical of trainers. <laughs> where you fill out a questionnaire and stuff like that. Now, yeah. You know, um, I remember when I was uh, up interviewing for a kind of you know relatively high profile kind of investment banking job once. You know, des- entry level, one uh, of the, the interviewers said, "So do you want to do the work or do you want to be an investment banker?" And I'm like, <laughs> "Oh, I want to. I want to do the work." Uh, but there's a lot of people, I'm sure, who are like. They see that they see the guys with the like you know the ripped guys with the shirts off you know and they and they see the picture and they're like i want to be that and it's like but do you actually want to do the work though and how can you how do you how do you try and i assume you have some mechanism for trying to tell that or what to do if you, you are working with a client and they're like they want the end goal but they don't understand that you have to it, it's, it's not going to come just by like eating the right supplement or something like that
2: yeah yeah that's i try to filter that out before I even begin working with someone like that. I, I kind of still have the asshole built into me, but it's more tailored and more refined at this point. So I, I honestly, I have built in mechanisms in my questionnaire in and of itself. If they, if they don't answer certain things correctly, it'll kick them out of the questionnaire and be like, I don't think we're a good fit. Like they won't even get to the point where I start training them and before they even get to the questionnaire i have chats with them and stuff and i almost make them sell themselves to me because um i i tell them like listen you i don't want to waste my time helping someone who isn't going to put in the work so i have a lot of i have a lot of built-in things before i even get started that i'm 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 like with a 90 percent certainty that at to if they get to that point where I'm actually going to build out all their programming and build out all their nutrition, because everything's a 100% custom for that person. I don't do cookie cut or anything. So again, there's a lot of upfront time spent for me, and I value my time. Like I said, I'll say no real fast. <laughs> so I, I have a lot of things built in to weed out people that aren't really there mentally, because that's really what it takes. I need people... That are at their breaking point. They're like, I, I literally have no other option except to change, and I'm, I'm ready. And that's, that's what I said. And I, I will say no. I've said no so many times. <laughs> <laughs> um, one,
0: one thing I, one uh, of the uh, lessons I, I suppose in, in your, in your book that I really liked too was the one about um, uh, just to quote it here: as a father, an important situation you will inevitably be faced with is helping your children overcome their fears, um, and. Jake, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that to sort of, you know, you know, cause I, I imagine as a dad, if you see your kid being fearful of something and maybe even something you were never fearful of yourself as a kid, right. There can be a little bit of it, mixed in with all the pragmatism and the long term. there can be a little bit of disappointment too. Um, you know, what do you, what would you recommend if, if you know, you're a, you're a dad and you, you notice that, you know, one of your kids is kind of a, afraid of something you really don't think they should be afraid of. What can you do to, to help them overcome that?
1: So there's there's a um, an exp- a saying that that I use sometimes lessons over lectures, and basically what that means to me is, you know, everything in life is an opportunity for to, to learn or to have a, you know, to have a, a teachable moment within it. And so I, I think for me, I, I as a parent, your initial reaction is to immediately jump in and try to quote unquote fix the problem and the there there's nothing wrong with that in terms of you know it's an honest you know you know willingness to try to help your kid but the downside of that is is that they may or may not be learning the lesson for themselves they may not be learning to find solutions to, to their own problems and I think as a parent there's a very fine line that you have to kind of walk this 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 tightrope a little bit and then and the rope changes as they get older right I mean as a you know, like Barrett has a, has a, a you know, a, a newborn or almost a newborn, you know, like, I was think 20 months, I believe. And, you know, obviously that's different than my 12 year olds. And then my 12 year olds is different than our daughter who's 22. And so that, that where that line falls changes. But the big thing is finding the balance between stepping in and offering the guidance and the solution versus kind of just trying to lead them to find the solutions on their own. I think, um, you know, it's way more powerful for them when they can kind of, whether it's assisted or not, come to a solution on their own. I think kids are way more capable than what we sometimes remember that they are or give them credit. And I think it's important to give them the opportunity to try to, to own those those fears and then own the solutions to find them. Because, you know, at the end of the day, there comes a point where, we won't necessarily be there to help them, and so it becomes, what have they learned from you, and what have they discovered as far as how to apply those things? And so, I think the big thing is just guidance, but also letting them also find solutions.
0: That you said something there that really resonated with me. Um, uh, back back way back in the day, I was a summer camp counselor, and so it was a weekly camp, and every week you'd get five new I'd get five new boys. Um, from five different families with five different fathers um, if they if they had a father. And um, uh, yeah, often the fathers did not have a sense of how capable <laughs> their, their, their kids were. And like, you know, they, they, they'd tell me he needs this and he needs that and he needs help with this and he needs help with that. And sometimes as soon as dad was out the door, the kid was just like in charge of that tent, um, you know, helping <laughs> other people out and stuff like that. And I remember one very striking uh, experience I had with a kid. that This is related to fear and giving them a chance where... Uh, we had a zip line that went across this like crevasse um and we, nice. one of our activities was to do the zip line and so we had like a counselor in training on the other end and me on the sort of end you got in the first end and one of the kids was like i don't want to do it i don't want to do it i don't want to do it and all i said was okay have a seat and then the rest of the kids did it and the rest they did it a couple times and they were obviously having fun and after a while he's just kind of sheepishly is like when can i can i go now <laughs> um and it was it was quite I was it was quite you know i mean you've it was just sort of amazing how like just like giving them the opportunity to make it a choice of their own instead of something that they were forced to do um, or felt they had to do really made a difference
1: in that case. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, like I said, they're way more able than what we sometimes remember or think that they are. And, you know, I mean, kids can can solve a lot of amazing things just on their own and maybe occasionally a, a pointer here or there. Um, just
0: with the last question I want to ask you guys about the book, I'll ask, I'll ask you Barrett, um, just to give people a sense of the scope of the kind of things you guys write about. So thoughtfully, um, one thing you write about is, uh, you know, part of being a dad is typically typically means being married. Um, and, uh, <laughs> uh, and, and an important part of that is, is keeping romance alive over time. Um, and so, yeah. uh, can you talk a little, just
2: for, for a moment about your thoughts on that? Yeah. Yeah. I'll let Jake answer that one too, cause he's got a great one, but okay yeah just uh, just dating your wife that's that's my biggest takeaway from it all and it's it's a struggle again similar I, again i think my frame of reference is a little narrow right now just because the the baby is so young but once she gets a little more older and we can get babysitters and stuff i mean it, it has been like that the past four or five months where we're able to leave her for an evening not not anything overnight yet but just being able to still date your wife I think that's that one is so key for maintaining that relationship oh, I think my camera just dropped Um, yeah let me uh, switch cameras I guess uh, Jake if you want to go ahead and chip
1: yeah. yours sure no Um. you know my my big thing that I think of with marriage. We've been, my wife and I have been married uh, about 14 and a half years it'll be 15 years next summer And so the big thing on, on my end is always remembering in the chain of priorities, you know, your marriage has to come first and and that's easy to get lost in when, as you have kids and as you have more kids or like, you know, newborns, babies, toddlers, all the way working up, you know, my wife and I actually, one of the things that we struggled with was one of, we mentioned our two boys, one, one of them. Uh, back in 2018, ha- had been diagnosed with leukemia, and, and he's doing great now. He's in remission. You know, he's doing wonderful, no issues anymore, and everything. But for those two years when he was going through treatments, you know, we almost forgot about being married for those two years. You know, really, and and we were parents first, second, third, fourth, and fifth, and occasionally we were married. You know what I mean? Like here and there, and that put a strain on our marriage. You know, and um. I think you have to always find ways to to make your marriage the priority one. of the, and, and it can be simple things, really, like one of the big ones for my wife and I, we have a regularly scheduled date day every weekend where either on Saturday or Sunday, we go out to lunch and 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 we also go and do like the grocery shopping for the week. And it seems like, oh, man, that's real romantic lunch and grocery shopping. But really. It's more than that for us. It's a way for us to connect every week and also to to plan our week, you know, because our grocery shopping is built around our meal planning and a meal plan is built around all the weekly activities that we have going on, whether it's, you know, this podcast or this function that our boys have or whatever it is. And so it's a way for us to reset, reconnect, reevaluate, get ready for the next week and build intimacy and, and build you know that quality time together and and so um you know that is a huge thing for us and, and then the other one which is kind of my my answer for everything is, is honesty you know there is there is no one on this earth that I am more honest with than my watch and, and vice versa you know and even to the point that there's times where other people will look at us and almost be shocked or offended almost in a way like you say that to each other and it's like oh yeah I say that because I know for a fact that that woman right there is the one person on this earth that I can tell anything to and, and I can share anything. And I know that, um, you know, I'm going to be able to confide in her. And I know that if she tells me something, it, it's the truth it, and it's nothing but the truth. I don't have to worry about, you know, well, is that that's what she said? But is that what she really means or all those types of things, you know? We mean what we say. What we say what we mean, and and so I think in order for for it to really any any relationship really, but especially a marriage, I think if you can't be truly honest with each other, you're only really operating on on partial capacity. Uh, speaking of relationships and honesty,
0: just moving on to the last part of the interview where we talk about the pe- people's work as content creators. Uh, so you guys are co-authors of this book, and you're publishing it in progress as well. Um, And I was wondering, how do you, how do you handle that? Do you um, write, you know, do you have an outline, like we're going to do these 50 or a hundred lessons and then each divvy them up? One of you writes it and the other one edits it or comments. How are you, how are you doing writing a book together?
2: Good question. (laughs) Uh, It's, it's really not too structured to be honest with you. Um, We've been I mean, we both have our newsletters, so we kind of re- recycled some of the lessons and refined them specifically for this book. Mm-hmm. And um, it's 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 bare bones as we're just sharing a Google Doc right now. And you just you just write uh, whatever your day is for that day. There's no particular outline um, at this point. It might be, we'll be getting, I mean, we're up to page 54, 55 right now. We got a Drop in a new release here. Uh, that's one of the things I love about Lean Pub, by the way. Um, but yeah, nothing, nothing too crazy. It's uh, just a shared Google Doc, and we're writing, writing it all like that, one day at a time.
0: Yeah, that's really great, and it's, it's. I love the idea of like you know start you starting out with a Google Doc, and this is like sort of in a way like the canonical Lean Pub book. Like just get get something out there. Write write the words. Take care of that first. You know, yeah. uh, to find out how to collaborate. You'll you'll maybe change change your mind. Maybe you'll come back to to Google Docs, something like that. But um, but that's really really great. Uh, sort of you know, healthy lesson for people out there. People can often think like, oh, I can't I can't get started into on the journey until I know where I'm going to be at the end or something like that. And like, no, no, no. Writing writing doesn't have to be like that. And that's kind of what what Lean Pub's all about. Um, Barrett in particular, I know you've, you're on a lot of different channels. Um, you know, like you're on YouTube with your podcast, you're on Substack you're the newsletter and stuff like that. And I guess, um, how do you, let's, let's assume like people have figured out how, like they, they all, they're confident enough that they're going to get there, that they're up on all these channels and they've got their profile pictures up and maybe some branding and stuff like that. How do you decide what to do? Like, do you have a schedule for like, I'm going to do sub stack, sub newsletter for like half an hour a day, or I'm going to focus on the podcast
2: for the next month. Or do you, do you have any, is there any structure to it? It's pretty fluid right now, honestly um it it is somewhat structured as far as i release the sub stack every week um that one's the most structured one Mm. uh get more into the uh, the video stuff again now that the the baby's kind of older and i can i can get out and script and write a little bit more for the video and i've also got a crazy race coming up so i really want to document everything involved with that because It's a, I mean, it's a ridiculous race and how I'm going to balance that with fatherhood, I think will be very great content for people to consume and try to understand how, I mean, I'm I'm running an entire country, that's the race. So I have to, I got 40 weeks, I got 40 weeks to train for it. So it's gonna, it's a lot of content and also a lot of how how I'm going to juggle all that when I have like a a four hour run on Saturday. But um, as far as um scheduling and stuff yeah it's it's fairly fluid right now and with the thing that jake and i are we're actually like converging everything together into one cohesive structure here soon and we'll be rebranding things a bit to the actual dead fit dynasty versus both of our individual right. what's in the name jake's more dynasty related things so mm-hmm. it's the uh going to be an awesome 2024 for the stuff that we're putting out and the things that we're going to be doing again we're going to be combining newsletters we're going to start co-hosting the podcast Mm. um there's just a bunch of different things obviously the book um a bunch of things in the pipelines that we're uh we're working on super excited about it all by the way (laughs) that sounds a little exciting (laughs)
0: yeah no that sounds very exciting i didn't know about that that's really great great to hear i'm sure you guys will do do really good work together um Uh, The last question I always like to ask on the podcast if the guests are LeanPub authors is, um, if there was one thing about LeanPub that had you shaking your fist going, damn you LeanPub every time you log on, or if there was one, like something broken, or if there was some magical feature you could imagine we could build for you and you could ask us for anything, uh, can you think of anything you would ask us to do?
2: Yeah, there's been a few things. Um, I haven't messed around with the GitHub stuff um, again, my background is software engineering, so I automate everything. I'm, I'm a DevOps engineer, so right. like I build out all of the automation for the engineers themselves. So I think, and again, I haven't messed with the GitHub stuff, but a way to auto-publish would be helpful. And again, it might be there. I haven't really messed around much with it. Um, and the other one is, it's good for you on a business side, but I want analytics without paying for it. which I mean good business move on your side because I talk myself out of it quite often but I think once we finally finish and get it actually out there and um, we were looking at the uh, um, your promotional stuff as well like putting it in your newsletter and stuff like that so I think once we actually finalize it and start promoting it more than just tweets here and there and auto plugs and stuff on Twitter then I'm sure I'll I'll take the plunge and get the analytics because that'll just help be able to refine where the sources are coming from and double down on the ones that are actually driving stuff instead of just throwing it all out there and seeing seeing where it's coming from. So yeah, those are those are my biggest things with it. Other than that, man, we pub again, coming from the engineering background, the whole Lean methodology and Lean startup. I mean, I love that book and everything about Lean Pub is right up my alley for Lean startups. And I've I've built out several apps and stuff before, and I always I always release garbage just to see what the market responds to, and I, I love that approach from the publishing side of it. And when I brought it up to Jake, he really liked that too. I'm like, dude, let's drop it on here, put it out. They have a landing page for us. It'll we can capture the emails. It's like a lead gen as well. And it's also, if people actually buy it before it's even done, clearly there's interest. So that'll kind of uh, incentivize or motivate us to work even more towards it.
0: Yeah, thanks very much for that. that those are really good uh, points to bring up. Um, the first thing I would say about GitHub is that um, we do have an API um, so that you could actually publish from the command line. In fact, I think we just got a bug report about it not working or something like that, but uh, we do have an API so you can do stuff you know without having to go into the UI all the time and click buttons and things like that um and when it comes to analytics yeah you know it's it's interesting I mean whenever whenever you're like one of the reasons we make you pay for the for github or dropbox mode as well is like whenever you're integrating with a third party service there's there's support for someone else's product that's happening and if you ever do do sign up for it and start using google analytics within our ecosystem you'll be asking me, you'll probably be like, fix this, fix that. You know, like there will be, there will be, there will be things. And there's also a lot of explaining, right? Because people are like, it's no, we, we definitely wouldn't want to be like, go read the Google docs, (laughs) you know, on how to, on how to do analytics. No, no, we, we need to understand it as well. And Google analytics in particular, incredibly powerful, notoriously complex and ever changing. And so support, support for it actually is like, now the, the flip side of it is why does it exist well to help people sell stuff basically and and to know where to invest their time and energy and and money if they have it for advertising and stuff like that so if you find that you're getting like a certain type of substack post is generating more leads than others and that's what you're what you're focusing on then you'll write more posts like that and you can find this out from google analytics and things like that so would we make would, would would our authors and would and by extension us because we only make money if our authors do would we make more money if we made it free, maybe, um, but but for now for now yeah Google Analytics integration is is behind a paywall um,
2: yeah like I said it's a great business move and I would do that if I was on your side too but uh, the my only other comment on it is um, why only Google Analytics there's a lot of uh, other One's, I guess, that aren't Google. I'm not. I'm not the biggest fan of Google in general, but I guess yeah, we, probably, that would be a great question. Yeah, the answer. I mean, I think we do still have support for something
0: called Clicky, but like that's like 12 years old or something like that. Uh, I don't even know if it still exists really. Um, but um, the the basic answer to that is like legacy. It's like why do why did we why do we have I mean we have we have PayPal and we have Stripe for receiving payments from people, and we have PayPal and now Wise for paying authors. Why? Why PayPal? Legacy. I mean, Leanpub was launched in 2010. You know, um, there, there yes. are people who have problems with PayPal too. Um, you know, and and that's why we introduced one of the reasons we introduced Stripe. Um, uh, but you know, why Google Analytics? It was you know the first the first kind of big one that everybody knew about. Um, so that's yeah. why we've got it. Uh, but I'll I'll, uh, I'll I'll um note your vote uh, to the <laughs> team uh, for something else because like, you know, here I am complaining about it. And saying, like, you know, it's so hard to use that we make people pay, you know, and like you said, know, that might be like a kind of self answering kind of explanation for what we should do next. Uh, well, guys, uh, thank you very much for being on the Lean Pub Front Matter podcast. Uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, for everyone watching, uh, please get the book. Uh, please give it a try. It's really good. It's uh, Dad Fit Dynasty Daily. Um, and uh, yeah, it's. Um, it's just an excellent book with lots of excellent uh, lessons and stuff like that in it and it's going to be growing it's one of these books that gets bigger over time uh, so yeah uh, everybody please uh... oh that's Fit dynasty manual um, I was looking at the file name not the title uh, but yeah okay. you'll, you'll find it anywhere uh, that you're looking for it on Limpo just search and you'll get it and yeah thanks very much guys for taking the time to do this
1: awesome. yeah, great to be on yeah, appreciate it man